well, I was like I said, I was a powerlifter for years, and I was trying to one day I was trying to squat 800 plus pounds, and I fell walking out with it, and that ended my career right there, right? <laughs> so I've never really shown how to, you know, what do I, what do you do? Like you invest it from the time you're 15 until you're 27, you know, and then I I never really took up fishing, and I said, you know, what, I'm going to give it a try, and I've been hooked ever since. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Well, we'll get to our top five cities for downloads this week in just a moment. Also, we've got Justin Level. Justin is from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, guide and fly tire with CB Fly Fishing. Since 2015, the Fly Crate has taught thousands of anglers world-class fly fishing techniques, and they provide fly fishing flies, gear, and tackle. The Fly Crate is an American-owned company, and they're committed to helping USA veterans by dedicating 2% of sales to Project Healing Waters. That's the Fly Crate at www.theflycrate.com. Thanks, guys, for tuning in uh, this week to the podcast. Our top five cities are in order. Number one would be Kansas City, Missouri, with the most downloads, followed by Salt Lake City, Utah, Calgary, Alberta, Phoenix, Arizona, and Grass Valley, California. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this time around. We want to welcome to the program Justin Level. Now, Justin is out of Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, Canada. He is a fly fishing guide, a avid fly tire, and runs CB Fly Fishing in the daytime. Justin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, let's let's talk fishing, man. I, I, you never have to uh, twist my arm to talk fishing, and I'm, I'm really excited about chatting about uh, all the fly fishing you have in, in Cape Breton. We'll talk saltwater, freshwater, what you're up to. But I always like to take it back to how you first kind of wet your appetite for fly fishing, where you learned, and how you got into it. So, how did how did things start for you in the world of fly fishing? Well, before I started fly fishing, I was a competitive powerlifter, and I did that for many years. And one day I got hurt really bad, and had to hang my hat up doing that. And you wonder what you're going to do. So I, I don't know. I was just watching YouTube one day, and an ad for fly fishing popped up, and said i'd like to give that a try and so i went out and went to my local walmart and uh picked up a fly fishing kit and i've been hooked ever since on it that's great tell, tell me about this power yep. lifting what, what were you what were you uh, i know you're doing some competitive power lifting give us a little glimpse into the world of power lifting i know nothing about it well power lifting is a it's a combined total of your squat bench and deadlift so they'll take your three biggest lifts and put them together for a total. So mm-hmm. being competitively, like you would have to do your squat first. You kind of max out on it and your bench, the same thing. You max out, deadlift, you'll max out. And it, it's very strenuous on the body. It took its toll on me. I know I'm 32. Like I said earlier, I feel like I'm going on 62 with it. But <laughs> So yeah. tell me... Justin, you've done some pretty competitive high-level lifting. Uh, you competed, was it the World Junior Championships? It was in South Africa. I placed fifth there. Wow. So what, what yeah. okay, now here, here's a crazy question. So what would you, what would a good squat for you be? What kind of weight? Um, 720. Holy mackerel. That, that, that was a competition squat, yeah. 
720. Is that because you're judged on your lip? Yep. That's pounds. 720 pounds. Yeah. That's like having, you know, what, two and a half, three football players on your back? Yeah, I felt that, yeah. (laughs) So what about, um, I mean, what about deadlift? Um, I always had a weak deadlift. It was around 640. My deadlift wasn't really that big compared to other people. <laughs> You're killing me. That's that is a massive amount of weight. And I, I don't want to um take you back to a to a bad spot, but tell tell me what happened with your injury and how that affected your day to day. Well, I also competed in strongman too, and I I done that at a very young age. I was 18 when I started competing in that. Um mm-hmm. like you see on TSN, ESPN when they're lifting the Atlas stones, stuff like that. Right. So I was kind of in between powerlifting and switching over to strongman, and I was trying to, one day, I was, my lifts got really up there, and I said, I'm going to take 800 pounds and try that, and just walking back, my heel hooked the floor, and I went went on the floor with the weight falling, and really did some damage to my back, and then time to hang the hat up, right? Wow. <laughs> like, when you, yeah, like, when you get go from being second and third in Canada, number one in Nova Scotia, to going down to like eighth and nine. You know, you know it's time to time to hang your hat up, right? What did you? What did? You, what lessons did you learn from powerlifting? Because I'm sure you got. I'm sure you have to really apply yourself. A lot of dedication. A lot of, a lot of. Um, oh, it, you know, it was insane. The dedication, like you would have to have, like. I wasn't even going to go to my high school graduation because I had to train that evening. I didn't want to miss my training, but <laughs> wow, I was very young. Yeah, I was very young when I got into it. Like I did, I missed out on a lot of stuff, so I was very disciplined with myself. Mm-hmm. So that but, you know, this that probably speaks to your you know the dedication aspect of it, the uh, the motivation. Now, when this happened and this went down, you're like, okay, now, now what am I going to do? What, what, what did you get into next? Was that a fly fishing, uh, you know, journey starting right there? It, it, yeah. Well, you know, I never, was never really, really shown how to do, like, I never really had a, a father figure in my life to show me how to do guy things or anything. Right. So I kind of wanted to get out in the woods and do manly things and stuff like that. And like I said, I was just home one day on YouTube watching videos and, a fly fishing video just happened to pop up and I said, you know, I think, I think that that's something I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I picked up my kit and I've been, I was, like I said, I was hooked ever since, but funny story is, like I said, I never really knew much about any of it, right? Like you'll laugh, you'll get a laugh out of this. Uh-huh. Went, yeah. I went and bought my chest waders. Now I thought chest waders were for like going out extremely deep and keeping your way down. Right. Right. I had to walk over the chest waders, which wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. Not good. Oh, oh, yeah, no, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, but like I just didn't know, right? Like, never had a clue. <laughs> Did you have a hard time getting uh, the right size? You know, being a power lifter, making that transition into fishing. How how the waders fit? Probably, uh, I would imagine you had to search they, search for some sizes. Uh, no, you know what? An XL fitted me. From I got like I said, I. Got everything pretty much from my local Walmart, and an XL fitted me good. It was a little snug, but they fitted me okay. I didn't have to get any special things done to them or anything like that. So your first time out fly fishing, I'm curious, was it freshwater or salt? Because you can do either kind of where you're at. 
Yeah, it was it was saltwater. Hmm. So what species were you targeting? I was fishing for speckled trout and rainbow trout. In salt water? Yep. We have a a, a Bedore Lake system. Okay. And it, it, it's crazy, the, the fishing that it offers you here. It's insane. So explain that a little bit. What type of fishing are we talking, and, and how are you approaching these waters? Um, it, Like, the fish ain't, like, extremely big. Like, most of our rainbows here now are stocked. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we do have our our speckled trout that are, you know, they come in from the sea, and but, uh, you know, it's nothing really special to it. Anything orange works great. Any like an orange fly works extremely well. Okay. You would want like a, you would want an eight weight fly rod if you're going to uh, if you're going to come here and fish it just because it gets really windy on our lakes. Like our lakes are huge. Hmm. Yeah, I was looking at some. So, do you fish like McNeil or, or Little Hay, or w- w- what water specifically do you like to fish uh, around your area? I, I um we have like fresh water as well, but I like I like the south. Okay. I like fishing in, in the salt water. So are you what kind of, are you in a boat? Are you on the shore? What are you doing? Um, I do have a boat and I do take that out sometimes, but I'm mostly fishing, you know, in the in the water with a pair of chest waders. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just explore around that way. <laughs> are we talking sinking line, sink tip, floating? Well, no, we use we use floating and then in in the fall time when the salmon or or like when we switch over to the the river fish and we'll use a sinking tip or a sinking leader mm-hmm. with a sinking dip. So are you tying a lot of your own flies for these uh, either Atlantic salmon or rainbows you're catching? Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I've never ever like, well, I'm lying. When I first get into it, I had some flies that came with the kit. But after that, one day I said, I'm going to start tying my own flies, you know, mm-hmm. get into like get a little hobby for me. and Yeah. Hey, I'm cur- yeah. I'm curious when you started fly fishing, Justin. Was there yeah. anybody that kind of gave you a hand, or are you all self taught? Was it all kind of off YouTube, or how did how did that start? Well, um, some of it was off of YouTube, but I knew what they were fishing was different up here, so I had to kind of, you know what I mean. I had to modify it different ways mm-hmm. with different lines and hook sizes. But there was an older gentleman; he kind of taught me a bit, but he's like. He was one of them, he's from the old school guy, so he's like, the only way you're going to learn is if you get out and do it yourself. You got to earn your stripes. Right. What do you, what would you say is the, was the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle for you to learn fly fishing? Was it casting? Was it uh, the entomology aspect of it? Was it the tying? What, what did you struggle with the most early on? Um, just trying to understand it all, really, like. I know this is a fly and like casting, like, you know, you're whipping it on the water and what fly to use where. And, and you know, it's funny cause like, you know, you're being, you're inexperienced. So you, you don't know what you're, you, what you're, what kind of fly you're using. You're just strapping anything on there and uh, going with it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I would catch fish though, right? Like they would laugh at me. Guys would laugh, of course, you know, what are you using that for? That's no good here kind of thing, you know? But then like two minutes later, wham, like, I got one, right? <laughs> so they're all on the shoreline and they're scratching their heads and they're like, you know, they're, they're just boggled by it. So I always tell people just experiment with things, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you keep doing the same thing, you're only going to get the same result. If you experiment with something new, maybe, you know, that could be the, 
that could be the one that lands your big fish or whatever, right? Absolutely. Think outside the box a little bit. Yes, like, you know, you're only going to get... The, it was like, wait, I always refer to back to when I powerlifted. You keep doing the same workout, you're only going to keep getting the same results, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Got to mix it up. So we're chatting today with Justin Level out of Cape Breton, Nova Scotia of CB Fly Fishing. Justin, I'm going to fire a few rapid-fire questions because I always like to uh, kind of find out about you, what you're up to, your area. You ready? Yep. What kind of music you like to listen to on your way to the water? I'm a country guy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, you want to name, name name a couple artists? What kind of country? Uh, I like John Denver. Um, I like Alan Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gareth Brooks. So a little more old school country. Yes, I am. I'm very, I'm very old school with that. Even when I wake up, that I never, I never listened to any metal at all. Yeah, that, that I would have, I would have expected you might have a bit of metal on when you're doing some power lifting, but the, yeah, good stuff. Nope. It never done nothing for me. <laughs> How about one go-to fly pattern that you can't live without? The orange shrimp. Orange shrimp. That's, that's the name of it, the orange shrimp. <laughs> What's your favorite place to talk fly fishing? Like a lot of, it may be a fly shop, a coffee shop, maybe it's a pub. Is there somewhere you like to go to get your fix, talk fishing? Well, there's a lady, about, she's about 15 minutes from where I am. She opened up a little fly shop called Hunted Treasures. Uh-huh. So I like to go over there and, you know, kind of shoot the talk about fly fishing or if someone you know i kind of give someone a hand if they're new coming in myself i'll volunteer to give a hand whatever but that's where i like to go at so let's talk sports now are we uh oilers leafs habs or football i'm not, what, really, what? Uh, I'm not really a big hockey guy okay what's your sport yeah um i kind of like football i'm into football a little bit yeah who do you follow uh Following the Dallas Cowboys, like I'm still trying to understand how the game the game is played and everything, but yeah, yeah, fair enough. I uh, hey, um, biggest lesson you've learned so far on your fly fishing journey? Don't be scared to try new things. That that's really it. Just don't you know? Don't be. When someone tells you it is windy out, you, you probably shouldn't go out in the wind because <laughs> you will get a hook in the back of the head. Yeah, that's good advice. Hey, when you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? Um, usually fly tying. Um, my daughter, who was three, she, I picked her up her own little fly tying kit, so I'm teaching her right now how to do that stuff. But that's me. That's mainly it. Name a couple of your favorite movies. I'm a go-to whatever, you know, whatever's there I'll watch. I'm not, yep. I'm not fussy with anything, right? What's the best job you've ever had? Uh, that's a tough one, too. <laughs> <laughs> what well, about, like what I said, Go ahead. I'm getting into the guiding part of it all now, so I'm kind of enjoying this right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I worked away for a couple of years on the Great Lakes. Oh yeah, what it, were you doing yeah, out the, there? I was a cargo maintenance. Okay. So it'd be basically like unloading the cargo. Sure. Mm-hmm. Best fly fishing location that you have personally been to? We have a spot called the Twin Coverage here. Right. It's that that's my go-to spot when I when I go fishing or if I take someone fishing that's where I normally start them off is right there. If you were to give somebody some advice who was coming out to Cape Breton to maybe hook up with your you and your guide service or just get out in general, 
on the waters. What would you recommend for gear as far as weight? And uh, it sounds like you, you, I know you guys battle with a little wind out your way, but um, what kind of length rod, what type of weight and, and what kind of lines should they be bringing? I would recommend a nine foot eight weight salt water line if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need your chest waders. Uh, I got my, I got a pair of Sims waders. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, last year I picked them up. Last year I upgraded from the uh, the local Walmart brand and kind of got a little expensive with it, right? So I think I think they're great. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very comfortable. Yeah, they probably breathe a little more. Probably a little, uh, like you say. That I mean, for me, actually, that's one thing that that is definitely worth the money if you're going to be doing a lot of waiting when, especially in the summer when it's hot, you know, and um, the waiters now are so breathable. I know it's almost like you don't even got them on, right? And they're so comfortable, and like you're not, you're not. I found like when I was wearing the like let's say the cheaper waders, I found like I was always kind of constricted when I was in the water, like I didn't have no room or it just sucked to me. But yeah, you know, you get what you pay for too, right? Absolutely, and that's true with the tying too. Let's talk about your tying setup. What type of vice do you like to use? Uh, right now, I'm using a regal. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been looking at the, the Norvice uh, tying setup. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, well, I, I've seen it at quite a few of the shows. It looks very interesting. I've never tied on one. My friend actually has one, and I tied on it, and it's like, oh, my God, it's so much. Like, if you're tying commercially, I I would recommend this, mm-hmm. that voice. Well, you really have access to the total shank and the gap of the hook, don't you? Yes, you do. And even the dubbing, like the way, like if you're, if you're someone who has trouble putting dubbing on, like it, it's amazing how this is set up to be able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. What other tips would you give to somebody that's just getting into tying or maybe somebody that's been doing it for a long time? Is there anything, um, any tips, any words of wisdom? You know, just, just be nice to everybody, you know, just be nice to people. When you see them out fishing and they're struggling, you know, ask them, hey, do you need a hand or... What fly do you got on, you know, or just give them a couple of flies, you know, it doesn't hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair that's enough. What, that's what I always do when I bump into somebody new and like, you know, I see them and they're not really got the, the right flies. I'll chuck them a couple of flies and tell them what to do. I mean, you know, they'll listen to you, they'll listen to you. If they don't, oh well, right? How would you like to paint us a little picture of your perfect day out on uh, the ocean? uh in your neck of the woods in cape breton nova scotia what is what does that look like when in the morning does it start just kind of walk us through your dream day i'd get there at six o'clock in the morning i'd leave my house at around four thirty because i like to get up a little early and don't feel rushed like i have to drive 20 or 30 minutes to get there um calm water very flat no wind rain sun's just rising great <laughs> and everything everything just runs smooth for you that day and what species would you be fishing for uh probably speckled trout like we have the marguerite river here and i, I do oh, the odd time go and fish for salmon like we have a, a catch and release only right now right you know catch a salmon you know there, and there's a lot there's a lot like catch and release you know you you, you you pop the fish the hook out of the fish's mouth you know i'm reading on this um it's called keep them wet yeah i don't yep. yeah i'm re, i'm re, it's very interesting like how the air temperature and like you know how quick you got to try to keep the fish get it back in the water and 
it, it's crazy, right? So I don't want to take the chance of hooking a salmon, you know, doing the the, the five-second pose with the camera and releasing it, you know? Because mm-hmm. I, I normally fish by myself, and when I got into fishing, I I, re, I'm, I always tell people, I don't fish and tell, right? Where's the fish pick said? Oh, well, I don't fish and tell, so... But I, someone said, if you're going to be getting in the garden, I recommend you get a GoPro camera, right? So, sure. yeah, I picked one of them up and I had a bunch of pictures on it, but me not being the swiftest around technology like that, I ended up deleting them all. Yeah. 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 That's me, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's like, <clears throat> you're right. If you're in the business, it definitely helps to have a few picks, but to keeping them wet, that's, that's one thing that comes up actually on the on the podcast quite a bit because yes, it's very it's it's interesting and it's like it was stuff that i didn't even know like really that that you know air temperature would be a, a shock to them and uh, you know i guess it makes sense yeah no absolutely and and there's nothing better than and now with the technology because like you say with the gopros and whatnot you can keep your camera submerged so those fish don't have to leave the water but i get what you're saying yeah, it's a like little you can, you can have your gopro attached onto you and as you're bringing the fish out of the water and you just go home and make it a still picture right yeah no for sure and and to be quite honest it's pretty tough when you're on your own there's there's no doubt you need you know and i'm when i'm fishing i mostly fish by i'm by myself right what yeah a, tell me about the guiding what made you decide to get into guiding and and how's the business going it's it's slow right like i'm just i'm hoping to really take off with it this this season coming up I, like i said i fell in love with fishing i want this to be my job my career you know, and I, and I want to be able to help people, like, show them the way and what to do and what not to do. Because there's a lot of stuff that you don't really need when you're fly fishing, but there's stuff that you you can't really go without, right? Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, so, you know what I mean? Like, when I first got in, say, the fly time, like, it'd be nothing before kids and car payments and everything. It'd be nothing for me to go and throw $500 on material, not a clue what I bought. You know what I mean? And I didn't, I still to this day, it's sitting in my bin, not used, because I don't need it for anything. It's funny you said that, Justin, because I know when I go in a fly shop and I'm going to be looking at a wall, I take notes before I go because otherwise it's overwhelming and it's just, oh, there's something shiny. Kind of, you know what I mean? You get distracted. Yeah, I do that too. You walk in, you see, oh, look at that saddle. But like, really, I need this. I have to get this material because yeah. I need the tie fly. Right. Exactly. And I do have a hard time remembering all the materials I'm looking for, you know, and you get distracted, you kind of, these little kind of things off to the side and then you get home and you're like, uh, yeah, I never actually did get those hooks. <laughs> you know, right. And then it's the same with fly rods. You don't, you don't need to go and spend a thousand dollars on a, on a fly rod when I know over in the Hunted Treasures, the store that I go to, she has Orvis kits there for like 260 bucks. That's the rod reel, the line. Like all you need to do is just add the water kind of thing, right? What kind of fly What's rod? That? What kind of fly rod are you fishing with now? I'm using the Orvis Encounter. Yep. How do you like it? Yeah. I, I like it. I'm. I really enjoy Orvis. Like I said, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. No doubt. I was an ambassador for. Um, a company out of China when I like for like growing pains, right? Like, okay, they'll take me on their team. It was called Max Catch. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you heard of them. Heard of them? Yeah, no. And you know what? Their rods are are great too, right? Yeah. Like you know, thirty, forty, fifty bucks. Some of them are, and they work great, just as good as a three hundred dollar rod. But I really enjoy the uh, the Orvis rod. I'm thinking about getting the 
the, the one of those spay rods, mm-hmm. clear water. I want to start getting into that that type of fishing now. Well, you're in the right water for that for sure. Hey, you know what? I'm I, walk us through the process as far as what it takes for you to become a guide. Um, I don't know if every province is different, but in Cape Breton, what what's the process of getting you know getting your guiding license and and, and walk us through that a little bit. Um, well, I actually wrote mine at a library online through, I don't know, I'm going to say the name, ca or something like that. It was, it was a national exam, right? Okay. So they, they said I could go anywhere through Canada with this guide license. So I, I took that one, obviously, right? Because God only knows where I'd end up, right? <laughs> right. But, um, you know, it study, you know, you got to really study the book and make sure you know how to read a compass and. Mm-hmm. Get your first aid. Be familiar with that stuff. What level first aid did you need? Um, just uh, I think it was just your basic, but I got level C and level A. Okay. Yeah. Right on. When does your season start up for you? So looking ahead, Justin, to this guiding season, what month do you look to hit the water in your neck of the woods? Um. It, well, fishing here opens up around April first. Okay. And we we're we're still push we're still ice fishing by then so usually May fifteenth when the rivers and everything are open that that's when it it gets like you know you can go fly fishing and it it get, it's good right it's good then it kind of it dies down for a little while so everyone moves into the rivers right right and they'll, they'll fish that and then say from July until the end of August. They'll be fishing the rivers. I mean, you can still fish the lakes, but the big guys are gone right for now. They're not looking for cool water. So come on, Father. They're coming back up again. So that's September, October, November. Right. I think it was, I think it was December this year. There was still people out fishing, fly fishing in the water. A little, a little bit too cold for me. <laughs> when you were telling us earlier in the show you were uh, came from the powerlifting world, was that an early morning thing for you when you trained or was it kind of an all day or afternoon thing? What, when's your, you know, when's your time to do that? It was in the evening. In the evening. So now, so now in the evening, is that when you do a lot of your tying? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, when I'm not fishing, like I say, I'm, I'm at the bench. It don't matter. Like some mornings I'll get up four o'clock in the morning, start tying flies, right? Is your daughter starting to out tie you yet? Yeah. (laughs) She's getting there. I, I usually break the hooks off, and, and I'll just kind of, I let her tie on a, on a tube sometimes too, but I'll break the hooks off, and like the, the hook just enough to keep the, the bend of it into the voice for her, so she can't jab herself. Yeah, sure. But I ended up picking her up a little junior fly rod this year, so I'm hoping to get her out doing a little bit of it down at the fish hatchery. That's good stuff. Hey, you're um you're yeah. saying you're targeting a lot of speckled trout. No, I, I'm you're talking brook trout when you say speckled trout. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So how big how big are the brookies in your neck of the woods? Do they do they get to a decent size? What would an average one be? Are we talking twelve to fourteen inches? Like maybe up to a a pound? How how big are we looking? Oh yeah, you you can catch them up to like a pound and two pounds, but it's mo- mostly like thirteen fourteen inches. Mm-hmm. Like our rainbows, like I said, like. There's also a fish farm here, too, that we got, and they keep escaping the rainbow, so we don't have many wild ones anymore. I would imagine those guys get pretty large. 
you know what they do, but there's no real fight in them when you catch them. It's mm-hmm. it's almost like catching a codfish, just dead weight. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I know in my neck of the woods that uh, is very much the case. Wild fish, wild fight. Like, you know, in other words, the stalkers, and, and depending on the strain, there's so many different strains, but they all have different tendencies, right? So uh, yeah. where I'm at, we got Panask, we got Blackwater, we got, uh, they have some Dragon Lake, uh, what else do we have? Uh, Fraser Valley. And they all, they all look different and they all fight different. Some of them tend to dog it down deep. Some tend to get all aerial on you in a hurry. And it's usually, uh, it helps with the fishing when you know what species, like what, what strain you're targeting. And that's right. And we have this, we have this problem now with striped bass coming into our, our Bedore Lake system and, and our rivers actually. Mm-hmm. So they're really, uh, like like I said, sometimes sometimes like I said, you you get a a cod, you think it's a codfish, but like it's a rainbow or or a striper. That that's one of the good things too, I guess, about fishing the Bador the Bador Lake. Sometimes you might be fishing for a speckle and end up hooking a striper, right? So how do those stripers fight? I've never caught a striper. You know, some of them can re- some of them can really go. You know, like they'll they'll take you into your back backing, right? The, the heavy ones, but. Mostly the ones I caught weren't, weren't all that uh, big, but like I said, just like a codfish, dead weight, just reel them in, let them go a little bit, reel them in, let them go a little bit. Are they um, usually let targeting? Are they targeting the bait fish normally? Oh God, they uh, they'll they'll eat lobsters, and we had we had lobster fishermen say they 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 cut one open and full of lobsters, right? Huh. Lobsters, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Interesting. Yeah, and they're and like a lot of people are blaming the numbers being down on the fish on these striped bass, but there's you know what? There's more to it than just the stripers doing it. Like we have a seal problem down here, and you know it's it's more than just just them doing it, right? What is it you get out of fly fishing? Like what what brings you to the water? And, and by that I mean like where do you think the satisfaction comes? Uh, you know, to me, going fishing it doesn't matter if I go four days and don't catch anything. It's just, it's just, it's relax. It's almost like it's therapy for me in my back, right? Just mm-hmm. being out there and just everything's calm and you're fishing, just fishing, and nothing's around you. It's just quiet. Yeah. Get a little fire on the shore, cook a little lunch. You know. Sure. Is there anything you think that we could be better at doing? as as a group fly fishers is there anything that maybe irks you out there you did allude to something earlier but um anything come to mind justin um we we have a problem with the trash people throwing trash you know that that's you know like i look at i want my daughter to be able to fish these waters when she's my age and if you know people keep throwing their garbage around and whatnot where, where do you think that's going at you know, it's going right out into our waters. It's and it is affecting things, right? Sure, hundred percent. You know, just just clean up, just clean up, and like I said, just just help people, help people do do things with the sport. Like volunteer if you need to volunteer, put a fly tying course on if people are interested. You know. Mm-hmm. You got any crazy fish stories for us in your time uh, spent uh, in and around Cape Breton chasing fins? Anything weird happened to you out there? Yeah, this one time I, I actually had an eel wrap itself around my leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like it was the most terrifying thing ever. Like again, I was new into it and no, like I didn't know 
really anything about any kind of fish fish at the time. I didn't know what it was, but yeah. So it startled me. I kind of jumped, and as I'm running to shore because I didn't <laughs> didn't know what it was, I uh, I fell and smacked the broke the tip off of my fly rod. So <laughs> that's not a good day. Yeah. No, right, you know, but I've gotten a lot better since then, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just had an image of you running across the river with a needle wrapped around like, your no, leg. I was still, still kind of big, so it was like jaws coming out of the water. Like, <laughs> Power lifters are not supposed to be afraid of eels. You know that. Well, <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know what it was, right? Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I'm not scared of eels, but I, like, I was younger. I had no clue, right? Like, yeah. I really should have hired a guide myself and kind of went and learned from him, right? Well, let's face it. When when it's subsurface, you don't know what it is. I, that's I, I, I struggle with that when we used to fish out of belly boats back in the day. You know, you're basically half your body's hanging in the water, and you think you're in 20 feet of water, and all of a sudden something bumps into you or you, <laughs> you kick a log or whatever. Next thing you know, it's like, uh, what was that? Yeah, what 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 is that? What what what's that wrapping around me? Like, what's going on here? How, how did you get it <laughs> off your leg? It just swim like as I was like, you know, kicking and causing a commotion. It must have, I don't know, it must have just let go and went. <laughs> yeah, the fishing buddy <laughs> hanging around, right on. Yeah, right. So yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you on the internet? As far as if somebody wants to come out to Cape Breton and do a little fly fishing. Uh, for whether it's stripers, speckled trout, brookies, uh, rainbows, uh, how do they how do they look you up? Well, they can look me up at my Facebook page, which is CB Fly Fishing. Okay. Or my Instagram page, which is the same name, CB Fly Fishing. Excellent. Facebook and Instagram now are so big, it's it's taken over everything, right? Like you you don't need a website anymore. Yeah. You can set everything up right on your Facebook page. And, it, and it's even like, you know, when you go to buy a, a fly fishing mag, the internet's taken over so much. And I mean, it can be helpful with some things, yes, but like, even when you go to buy a fly fishing magazine, like, they're, they're talking about print is outdated now, like, we're trying to get rid of it, and I don't know about you, but I kind of like having the, the magazine or the book in my hand reading it, right? 100%. I'm, I'm the same way. Like, it, I remember buying a book probably 30 years ago, and it's called The Last Book You'll Ever Read. And it, that's what it was about. It was about how everything's virtual now and everything's on the internet and, you know, that you can read books. Uh, what are those reader things called? Uh, names not come, you know. Yeah, like e-readers, that type of stuff. But, I mean, the, the reality is if you're sitting on a riverbank, there's something about having a book or a magazine, something in your hand. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And the same goes for fly, you know, the, your fly shop you, you love to frequent. It's nice to get yep. your hands on stuff rather than just looking at a computer screen all the time. And I, you know, and I'm not bashing the guys online or nothing. It's great, too, because sometimes, like, that's great with Hunted Treasure. She, like, she's a small shop, and she understands, like, she can't get every single thing in that everybody wants. She's, it's just a small shop, but she understands that you got to shop online. But the more you support this person, like, you, you know, you, you go over there, can I open this up for a second? Sure, oh, yeah, not a problem. And you're seeing what you're buying, right? Has to suppose it gets, you got to wait two weeks to get shipped to your door. And it's like, uh, it's not kind of not what I was hoping for, right? Yeah, exactly. It, there's something to be said when, if you know what you want, that's one thing. But if, yeah, sometimes someone's got to show you what you're looking for, right? Well, like I said, like we didn't, when I first get into it, we never had a fly shop here. So I'd be 
I actually my one of my big buy like who used to buy from is and I kind of still do is Dokes, Doke and Sons. Yep. It'd be nothing for me to throw like three, four, five hundred bucks on it. I get it all here, and what did I just buy? <laughs> you know. Are you tying commercially right now? Um, not for any shops. No, I'd love to, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure. building up. You know, I got the boxes here. If people are interested in the. They can reach you best through through Facebook or Instagram at CB Fly Fishing. Yep, but I promise you, if if you do book a trip with me, I and I will go on record saying I will get you a fish. <laughs> yeah, I have no doubt. Hey, listen, I will. <laughs> Justin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You're the and, first you know, you're first person we've had on from Nova Scotia. Well, thank you, and you know what? Thanks for giving me the opportunity to get my name out there a little bit and i really appreciate it yeah well i i, I know you're going to have a great season on the water hopefully you're busy and why don't we catch up in six months eight months find out how the season's going and and uh dial us in on some some fly fishing around cape breton yes for sure definitely you've been listening to justin level justin is out of cape breton nova scotia guide and fly tire with cb fly fishing the Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.